0: Welcome everyone uh, to Encounter Online. It's our first service. My my wife and I were so excited about what this is, what this will continually become. And we really do hope that you continue to experience God's grace, his power, his presence right where you are at. And it helps us to understand church and the living of our faith in a new, vibrant way. Um, At the same time, we're going through this series called Am I Missing Something? And especially during COVID and our circumstances that we've been going in, sometimes it feels like we are missing something in our faith. And today, as we go through the uh, Hebrew passage... I hope that we may be able to relate with some of the things that the ancients were going through and to see some of the observations that we make in their lives and to connect it with our own and to see are there certain aspects of my faith that I'm missing because my mindset has been directed somewhere else. You know, many of us, we have the tendency of primarily living our Christian life with this assurance that when we die, we will go to heaven. Uh, there's been like these big crusades and these big revivals that were set up way back in the, in the 60s, 70s where it all became about Bring the person to church or bring the person to a revival service and let them say those magic words. I accept Jesus into my heart, right? I believe I'm a sinner. He died for me and now because of Him, I'm going to heaven. And we see so many people become Christians because of that. We see so many people say, I will now follow Christ. But the limitations of that faith often were simply about the future so when we accept our faith when we accept Jesus Christ the the primary reason behind that becomes future oriented when i die i have this insurance plan that i'm going to go to heaven Now the problem with this faith, even though that this is real and this is what is going to happen, the problem with this kind of limiting faith is basically this. In the meantime then, we don't really know what to do. What do I do with my life as I live here on earth? Because faith and living with Christ makes so much more sense when I go to heaven and I'm there where He is at and I spend eternity with Him. But here in this life, where I have trouble seeing God, where I have trouble understanding how my faith relates with my everyday, how does it make sense here? What do I do with it? And so a lot of us, what we do with that tension is we resort to living the Christian life with simply a label. Let me ask you if this label sounds familiar to you, and if this practice sounds familiar to you. After we receive Christ, Our practice of faith becomes primarily about the Sunday experience, going to church, um, volunteering at church, and living at our faith at church. But when it comes to the practice of our faith outside of that Sunday experience, outside of church programs and church activities, we mainly focus on these things. We focus on our morals, we focus on being charitable. We focus on praying before we eat. And then we focus on just trying to read our Bible consistently. You know, apart from these habits that we have formed and how we pray about these major things that happen in our life, but by default our, our motivation of praying for these major circumstances or events that will happen in our life is simply yes-no prayers. right? God, will you give me this job? Yes or no? God, will you help me be in a relationship with this guy or girl? Yes or no. God, will you give me the finances that I need? Yes or no. And it ends there. Our faith ends its relevance with those kind of things. So a lot of times, it's our faith simply becomes in this life now, just about whether I get the job or not, whether I get the certain relationship or not, whether I choose one major over the other. And from there, we don't really see how God is supposed to be, uh, how God is supposed to make sense in our everyday, how God is supposed to be relevant in my daily activity and why I work, how I work, why I live, how I live. We don't see that connection with our faith. You see, what's happened is we've gotten so used to living our faith only in church. We've gotten so used to living our faith through Bible studies or through life groups that we don't really know what it means to live our faith outside of those things. And then to top things off, a lot of the big decisions that we make in our life that are going to be life-altering, it's hard for us because we don't want to mess up our life. We feel like we only have one shot at the life that we currently have. That it's too much of a big chance to take of really holding on to God something that we don't really see. Something that sometimes we don't really feel. And to learn how to live by faith in those daily moments. Because the risk and the consequences can be severe. So let me ask you again. Does this kind of faith life sound familiar to you? Is this kind of faith life the kind that we are living? This is often why a lot of us, we feel like we're missing something. Based on what we read in the Bible, based on what we think it means to have Jesus as the Lord of our life, this sovereign Lord over all things, over all creation, this is why it feels like something that is so great and so beautiful, so life, life transformative It feels like we're missing something because our everyday experience is not like that. See, a lot of times we feel like our faith doesn't really engage in our everyday, how we live our life and how we make and continue in our major decisions that we make. You know, our faith often experiences this. Sometimes we get the job, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get a good relationship, sometimes we don't. There are times that we seem that God answers prayer. Sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes things go our way. Sometimes they don't. And with this kind of haphazard results, because we're simply engaging our faith with those yes and no answers, it, it, doesn't, it brings so much uncertainty and into our hearts to really think, can I really trust God? when I don't see any real consistency in my life because sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. So how is my faith relevant? How do I really trust this living God in my everyday life? So today we're going to focus on what it means to live out our faith over these kind of fears that we have of this daily engagement with God and how He's supposed to make sense in our everyday life. So I want to begin by inviting you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32, and we're going to read through 40. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, and we're going to read through 40. I'll be reading from the NIV. If you have your Bibles, I know it's all black screens right now, but if you have your Bibles, please do open it up. All right, just try to open it up. If you don't have a Bible, but you have your phone, you can open it up um, through a Bible app through your phone. Follow along with me as I read it. It reads this. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, the first observation I want to point out as we read through this passage, this Hebrew passage is this. Faith faith that matters in the here and now. What we see as an observation in this passage with all the people that were listed is that faith that matters in the here and now. Our faith matters in the here and now. Not just when we die. It matters here and now. You know, all of chapter 11, if you actually go back and you read from the beginning of chapter 11, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, he's trying to share with all of us what it means to have faith. A lot of us, we don't really explore that term faith much. We just assume it has something to do with religiosity, right? Do you have a religious position about God? But faith is so much more than simply that. The author begins in verse 1 of Hebrews 11 by saying this. He says, Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, before he gives all of these stories, the author of Hebrews wants to make sure that we understand a godly, a biblical definition of what faith is. So we don't make it about religiosity, about these kind of traditions. He says, let me give you a hard example, a hard definition of what faith is. It's confidence in what you hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Then he qualifies that a little bit more, that definition, that abstract definition. He qualifies it a little bit more in the next verse. In in verse uh, 3, what he says is, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. See, now what the author does is he gives this, bro- this broad definition in verse 1. In verse 3, he gives us then, based on that, and if we have this kind of faith, here is how our mindset works in our here and now. Here is how our mindset processes How we understand our life in the here and now. He says, We understand that the universe or all created things or all systems of the earth in which we are currently living, we understand that they were formed at God's command. In other words, it's not religiosity is one here and then worldly life is here. He's saying this world life that we are living, it comes from God. Its source is God. That what we see visible. Right now, your workplace, your relationships, uh, your, your finances, all of these visible, tangible things. He says, what we understand is that all of these tangible things came from something that was not visible, he says. The source is God. This is the framework, he says, that is established in all of these examples of what it means then of how to live our faith in the here and now. See, this is vital before the author of Hebrews continues with all the stories because he's trying to make sure that we understand that faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not this cloudy kind of like pie-in-the-sky hope, um, this kind of mythical hope that people have. I hope there is a God, and out of that hope, I hope that I'm doing the right thing. No, he's saying that there, it's a complete certainty and assurance and this knowledge of knowing that what we have here and everything that we see, it comes and it is sourced by God. And because of that, that truer reality, we make the decisions in life that we do. And this is why he gives all of these examples following verses 3 of all of these people who are living their faith in their here and now to show its relevance in our everyday life. You see, without this kind of framework, then faith is just a term that has no power. And for us, if we don't have that proper mindset and that framework, faith has no relevance. It has no power in our everyday life. It's just a term that we use and it means nothing. See, this invisible yet greater reality is a source of everything that we see, everything that we do. And if we believe this, then all things, yes, our work, our relationships, our pleasures, our faith, it gives us an advantage in those areas. And the way that faith gives us an advantage, it helps us to see beyond the visible structures. It helps us to see where these things are coming from. It helps us to see a fuller picture a why that is a lot of times most people in the world we simply live by the visible we simply live what is there but we don't have the foresight to see beyond that the more complete picture and this is what the author of hebrews is inviting us towards is saying this kind of faith it helps us to see beyond it helps us to see more clearly what what our job is really about, what our relationship is really about, what our finances are really about. See, notice in all the examples that are given, faith was not just an aspect of the not yet. What comes after, he says, now this is what faith is. The author of Hebrews doesn't go in into just talking about heaven, right? He goes, Here's what faith is. And let me tell you about faith. These people believed in heaven. That when they died, they're going to go to heaven. And in heaven, there's going to be all this great stuff. There's going to be no more tears, no more pain, no more mourning. And all this kind of stuff, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be a perfect place. You know what? In heaven, you're going to get this like you know, golden streets. You're going to get this huge mountain. And you're going to get all these crowns in your head. Notice he doesn't talk about the later stuff, the not yet stuff. When he talks about faith, he primarily focuses on what faith means in the here and now. You see, brothers and sisters, what we need to understand this is that if our faith is primarily oriented towards the future, saying that when I die, I go to heaven, that's what my faith is all about. We're missing a greater portion of what our faith is meant to be in our everyday life. Look at Abel. Because he had faith, it didn't say Abel hoped that when Cain killed him, he'd go to heaven. No, it says this. Abel, he managed his possessions with God as his highest value. That's why Abel gave a better offering. He saw beyond his materialistic possessions. He saw the God that's behind it. That allows him to have what he has. Noah, how he spent his resources in building an ark at a time where people felt like he was being crazy. He saw beyond that current time. And he knew what was ahead. We see Abraham, how he uses his his inheritance, his family inheritance to leave everything behind and to journey with God in the here and now. Because God was going to make through him a great people, a great nation. We see in Moses, he turns down the security of a lifelong position in royalty. He he just needed to keep his mouth shut and live his life well and he's set for life. But he turns that down because he understands and he sees beyond that God is forming him into a greater leader. That's going to change not just his nation and his people, but it's also going to change the ancient Near East that was around him. This is why, in the example of Moses, Moses becomes a halfway point of chapter eleven. And at this halfway point, this is what the author says about Moses. So we don't get, so we don't miss this, because sometimes we forget as we're reading and we forget what the main point was at the midpoint in in chapter eleven. This is what he says. In the example of Moses, the author stops and he says, Moses was able to live this way and persevere because why? He says, because he saw him who is invisible. You see, faith gave Moses the orientation and the eyes and the framework to see something beyond the security of his familial position, of his adopted family into royalty. He saw past that. So there's something greater that God is doing in me. And yes, these are great advantages for me to have, and I will risk all of this because that's not all my life is supposed to be about. There's a greater thing that God is doing. Today's passage then, it summarizes what we read today. It summarizes other people and how faith affected their here and now. Look at, look at what the author says in, in verses 33 to 34. He said, People conquered kingdoms with faith, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, weakness was turned to strength. Uh, there was, uh, they became powerful in battle when they were supposed to lose and they routed foreign armies. These are real things. Imagine going into a real battle with real swords, real shields. And people saying, do you trust in the name of your God? What does that have to do against the blade of steel? Yet these people, all of them, in these real circumstances, they experienced faith. They said, faith matters when my life is on the line. Faith matters in these everyday decisions because it transforms. Faith is not just about me getting a better job, being, uh, being well off in a relationship, and having security in my finances. There's so much more meaning behind why God gives me what I have. And faith is the only key that opens up those eyes, that opens up that courage to not just see it, but to live it. This is when, brothers and sisters, faith becomes tangible. It's not a pie in the sky when we die. It's a tangible one that directly affects how we live. You see, faith, as a lot of us, we try to tend to make it, was not privatized. For these people, none of these experiences was a private faith. Oh God, I feel so bad or I feel like I'm struggling with my doubts and this kind of stuff. I don't want the public or anyone else to know and I'm just going to talk about this when I'm in my own house. And no one is around. No, faith was a public model, a public display. It wasn't just privatized, that only involved weekly worship. Brothers and sisters, if our faith to our unchurched friends, when they look at us, simply becomes, oh, wow, you're so faithful, and what they mean by that is you go to church every Sunday, that's not faith. That's just Habits that we have formed. See, their faith had an impact on their life. Their faith had an impact on their vision. Their faith had an impact on their culture and the world. Faith, it affected their here and now. You know, when did we allow our faith to become so tame? And I'm not just... You know, preaching to you guys. I'm speaking to my own heart too. I know I have those same worries, those same insecurities, the same fears. When did I allow my faith to become so tamed that I developed this mindset that it doesn't really belong in the marketplace? That faith doesn't really belong in my school, in my workplace, in secular or public spaces? When did I start thinking like that? And acting on that. Now I know some of us may be thinking when we look at the Bible, we like, well, but these stories are in the Bible, right? And back then these ancient people, they were more superstitious, right? And they all, the, the majority of people, they kind of all believed in this kind of spiritual realm and all this kind of stuff. But in these modern days with scientific advances and all the scientific thought and all these kind of philosophies that are, that are out there, we have come to the point where secular world views faith or religion as kind of these mythical things, right? And it's much harder for us. No, it's not. It was the same pressures and the same insecurity, the same fears that they were going back then. You see, it wasn't easy for them either. They too had to overcome real and harsh threats and fears. So that they could live by faith. And this is the second observation that we make in today's passage is this. is faith that usurps or overcomes. Faith that usurps our fears. A lot of us, we have fears. We have anxieties. We have these doubts of whether faith makes a difference in our everyday life. Look at verses 36 to 38. It says this. It says, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They, uh, They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were real consequences for these people to live by faith. In today's terms, we would say this. They were shunned by social media. They lost their house. They were fired from their jobs. In fact, other people, they were so upset with what they had to say, they actually took clubs and beat them to the point where they had to go to hospital. And in some cases, some of them were tortured and killed. These were the real circumstances in their everyday life that they understood. If I live by faith, the consequence and a real consequence, I may lose my job. Right? I may be persecuted. I may be shunned. I may lose any security or my finances that I have right now that makes my life comfortable. Yet they continued to live by faith. So how did they overcome it? How did they not give in when the stakes were real and these threats are real over their life where they don't compromise? Remember what we were reminded by the author of Hebrews in verse 27 um, by when he stops at Moses? It's the same reminder that we're given that sets the tone for all these examples of why these people endured through faith. And it's this. They persevered because they saw him who is invisible. See, brothers and sisters, they lived by a different framework. Their faith allowed them to see beyond that superficial, beyond simply the physical. They saw that everything that we have right now, it's not just a visible reality he says it comes from God it is sourced in God that means there's a big portion of what's going on behind the scenes that most people don't see these principalities, these spiritual warfare and all this other kind of stuff that's involved in this process. And what they were called to do is they lived their faith because they see that the beyond, beyond what we see superficially, beyond what we just simply see going on right now, beyond the persecution. They saw beyond that and they saw what is trying to be drawn out of that. The hope, the kingdom that God is drawing out Of this broken world. See even though. They may not have received. What was promised in their lifetime. They saw it. It wasn't that they just hoped. That there was a heaven out there. They saw the reality of God's kingdom. In the here and now. They're able to see it. Happening around them. And they see it becoming inaugurated. In and to their here and now. That's why they live by faith. If they're able to see beyond just the persecution and the hardship and our fears. Remember the example that we see in the book of Acts? The book of Acts, in, at the end of chapter 7, we see an elder of the church named Stephan. And Stephen, he was brought out to the public square. And they're saying, tell us what you believe because we feel that your faith, you know, it's, it's causing disruptions and we don't like it. And after he shares the whole story of faith, we see st- Stephen. He looks up and he sees beyond the crowd. He sees the real reality that is out there. In fact, this is what Luke records in Acts uh, chapter 7, verse 56. He says this, "I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God." You see, st- st- what Stephen saw was the greater reality, the source of where all life comes from. And even when he is surrounded by all these people and it looks bleak, it looks like God is losing. It looks like his faith doesn't matter because people are stronger than God. When other people are seeing that and the mobs are having their own way and the mobs thinking that they have all the power in this circumstance and as they are stoning Stefan, Stefan sees the greater reality that he's pulling in and into our world. I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. As tragic as that scene is, because they did stone him, yet his eyes keep fixed on that greater reality. The author of Hebrews, uh, the author of uh, Acts, Luke, he points out another detail that we cannot miss. Because he says this, there is a young man named Saul who was standing there witnessing all of these things. And as we all know, Saul was the main person who was causing all of this persecution, right? Hated what was going on and wanted to get rid of this movement. And what Luke points out is Saul was there witnessing this and Saul sees something in Stephen, And I bet it made Saul wonder what does Stefan see? Where it feels like we have the power though. Two chapters later, Saul sees what Stefan sees. You see, that was the moment where Saul's eyes are tested now. His own framework is being tested. Him being part of the world, part of the religious establishment is being tested to see beyond their own power what they see directly in front of them. And he has his own moment with God, his own encounter with God that changes everything. And from that, not only does Paul uh, Saul convert to Christ and then renamed Paul, but we see this Paul reshape the ancient world. And it began with a witness of what Stephen. Saw. See, brothers and sisters, our testimony and living by faith is not in vain. It feels like that at times. It feels like I just lost my job and that's the reward that I get for being faith-filled? I just lost this relationship and that's a a reward that I get for following God? You know, it, it does feel tragic if our primary reward is to simply keep what we already have. But God invites us to see beyond that. He says, there's something more. There's something even greater than the things that we want to keep. And He said, I want you to have the eyes to see it, to help me draw it out as well. Dear brothers and sisters, we are invited to see beyond and to live to draw the things out that other people don't see this is what it means to live by faith in the here and now this is what it means to live by faith despite some of the concerns and the insecurities and the fears that we have it's because we're able to see god we're able to see that he is the source of all things and we believe it and its faith is not simply a term that we use to talk about what happens when we die in the afterlife? Faith is in this here and now. In all of our life, brothers and sisters, may we live by faith with the eyes that see what God is doing and what He is calling us to bring in into the visible. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for blessing us with this time to go through your word, be challenged by your word. And just like the ancients Father and all of these witnesses help us Father Lord to see what they saw. Help us Father Lord to see that faith it matters in the here and now. And for some of us Father who have not experienced this kind of faith will you help us Father Lord by drawing near to you. Will you help us Father by opening up our eyes and engaging with you more to believe that you exist and you reward those who earnestly seek you. I pray that that will be the desire of our hearts, Father Lord, to earnestly seek you, to not just hold you as a term and to put you in our pockets, Father Lord, but to earnestly seek you, that we may know that you are God, and that may we see that you are real, and that we trust that you have a plan, and it makes our life significant, meaningful and purposeful. Help us, Father, Lord. Draw us to you. Fill us by your spirit today. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.